Hi, this is Lydia, Maddie, and Alan. And Mike Bowman. Episode 3 of Out of Mammoth. I decided since the second episode was an overview of almost all of American history in less than 20 minutes, I wanted to talk about more specific things in the third episode, and hopefully it'll be a little bit more interesting. The third episode is about Marilyn Monroe's death. I know there are other sources you can go to. I'm not claiming to have the answers. I'm just going to point out some of the things that have made this a 60-year mystery. Did Marilyn Monroe commit suicide, or was she murdered? It really doesn't add up. So I'm just going to go over a few of the pieces of evidence that are the basis of this being a continuing question for people trying to search for answers. First of all, yes, she had a very rough childhood, a very unhappy, unpleasant, broken childhood. As a young adult, she wanted to seek fame. She changed her name to Marilyn Monroe, found her way into the Hollywood scene, and became famous. Yes, before the night of her death, she had mentioned suicide on more than one occasion and likely attempted suicide or feigned an attempt of suicide on more than one occasion. And yes, she was in psychiatric treatment. I believe the record also shows on the night that she died, she did try to call her psychiatrist. But that's all gray area. She lived in California, and she lived in a house, I believe, with her housekeeper. On the night she died, she was in her room for quite a few hours, where her housekeeper went on the record and said that she could see under the door and see that the light was on, but that Marilyn had always told her not to disrupt her or disturb her whenever she saw the light on, that she wanted peace and quiet. So she really didn't mention anything. Um, Almost certainly within 24 hours of her death, other than the housekeeper, the two people that saw her alive last is Bobby Kennedy. Yes, John F. Kennedy's little brother, Bobby Kennedy. Yes, the president's little brother. And Bobby Kennedy and John F. Kennedy's brother-in-law. I believe his name was Peter Lawford. He had married one of the Kennedy sisters. Bobby Kennedy and Peter Lawford went to visit with her. The question's why. Uh, We don't know. It's almost proven, beyond all doubt, that Bobby Kennedy was aware that John F. Kennedy had a long-going sexual affair with Marilyn Monroe. The evidence also points to that by the time of Marilyn Monroe's death, John F. Kennedy had moved on. He, he no longer wanted to be in a relationship with Marilyn Monroe. He had moved on to someone even younger. And Marilyn Monroe was having trouble understanding this. Uh, some people believe that Marilyn Monroe got it in her head that the president was going to divorce his wife and marry Marilyn Monroe, and Marilyn Monroe would be the, be the first lady. Um, that, that was all in Marilyn Monroe's head from all of the history I've ever stumbled across. So John F. Kennedy is believed to have sent Bobby Kennedy to talk to Marilyn Monroe 
to ask her to leave him alone because it was becoming a distraction. His wife was getting upset about it, especially after the happy birthday song she sang him. You can find that on YouTube. It's rather interesting. I will just point one thing out about the YouTube video of Marilyn Monroe singing happy birthday to John F. Kennedy on his birthday in a very seductive voice, which supposedly upset the president's wife quite a bit because she knew they were having a sexual affair, and she's sitting right there while she's singing happy birthday. So Marilyn Monroe sings this, seduct this seductive song, happy birthday, Mr. President, but one of the pieces of the puzzle that adds intrigue is the guy that introduces her right before Marilyn Monroe comes out to sing, he says, and now the late Marilyn Monroe. Some people believe did he somehow know something was going to happen to her or was he simply implying she wasn't punctual? But it's another layer of the story. So how did Marilyn Monroe meet John F. Kennedy? the President of the United States of America. In World War II, fighter pilots would paint seductively clad women on the front of their plane, and the people that loaded the bombs on the bomber planes would paint seductively clad women on the bombs, and they tended to be blondes that were rather shapely, and they got nicknamed Blonde Bombshells. By the 1950s, American men are enamored with blondes. The blonde bombshell, Jane Mansfield, Grace Kelly, Marilyn Monroe. Peter Lawford, the brother-in-law, was part of something called the Rat Pack. Hollywood movie stars, singers, whatever. Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, and Peter Lawford. Through this connection, Frank Sinatra, who almost always was connected in rumor with the mafia, he always said he just sang in mafia casinos, Frank Sinatra introduced Marilyn Monroe to John F. Kennedy, and he had also introduced Marilyn Monroe to Sam Giacana, a leading mafia figure of the time. And Marilyn Monroe was having an affair with Sam Giacana at the same time she was having an affair with the President of the United States. In 1959, Fidel Castro took over Cuba and implemented a communist government, and President Eisenhower and President Kennedy as part of something known as Operation Anaconda, were trying to assassinate Fidel Castro, and they weren't successful. So President Kennedy called in his little brother, Bobby Kennedy, and said, who can we get to assassinate Fidel Castro? And Bobby Kennedy said, the mafia. And when he approached the mafia with the idea of them assassinating Castro, the mafia were really enthused about this, because before Castro took over Cuba, the mafia had casinos on the beaches of Cuba making a lot of money. So they thought by getting rid of Castro, capitalism would come back to Cuba and the mafia could go back to running their casinos down there on the island of Cuba. 
So Bobby Kennedy approaches mafia figures about assassinating Castro, and they agree. And then at the same time, Bobby Kennedy is the Attorney General of the United States. He starts arresting mafia figures, putting them on trial, and sending them to prison. And the mafia figures are like, what do you mean? You're arresting us and putting us on trial while you're asking us to commit an assassination for our country's benefit. This is scrolly. Some people think Sam Giacana got rid of Marilyn Monroe because he was afraid Marilyn Monroe would tell President Kennedy secrets about the mafia. Other people think the Kennedys possibly were linked with getting rid of Marilyn Monroe because she might leak stuff to Sam Giacana about the Kennedys. Other people think it might have been John F. Kennedy behind it because he wanted to silence her because he was becoming an annoyance. And then there's another conspiracy theory out there that actually Bobby Kennedy tried to hook up with Marilyn Monroe when his brother John was done with her, and she turned him down flat as a pancake, and he got upset. I don't have any of the answers. I just got all these weird little pieces of the puzzle. So Marilyn Monroe dies. Her body is discovered in her bed some period of hours later. And we have two answers. One, as sad as it is, she simply committed suicide. She was troubled. She had talked about suicide before. And she ended her life. Whether she meant to or not, she committed suicide. The other side is things don't line up, and she was murdered. Whether it's a suicide or a murder, a very beautiful, successful, intriguing young lady's life ends. We're going to go over these two, scena uh, these two scenarios. Supposedly, the suicide, she had recently got a prescription filled of barbiturates, I believe to help her sleep, and her pill bottle was found near her, and all 50 pills were gone. If you take 50 barbiturates, I don't think it's a surprise you might not wake up the next day. But there's a problem with this. All of her friends, all of her acquaintances, all agreed that she, she had a gag reflex problem and she had a really difficult time taking pills. So what she would do was fill the glass with water, drop the pill in there, let it dissolve, stir it up, and then drink it. So she would have had to have done this with 50 pills. There's another problem. The bathroom leading off of her bedroom, where there is a sink, is obviously a water source, but there's no glass ever found in her room or in her bathroom. So she would have had to have taken 50 pills, not only not being able to dissolve them in water, but she would have had to choke these things down and swallow them with nothing to drink. And everybody said her whole life she had a gag reflex problem and couldn't take pills with a glass of water. The other thing is, records according to the autopsy show, there was no residue of this med in her stomach. There was residue of this, this barbiturate in her rectum and small intestines. 
meaning it had been jammed up her backside where possibly it would have dissolved faster, which if this is the coroner, coroner and the police answer, this is a rather unique way of administering meds to yourself or trying to commit suicide. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but it just seems rather unique. Other people that saw the body have mentioned that there were bruises, lots of bruises, which shouldn't have happened from this sort of a death, I don't think. I'm not a doctor, but I don't think that that matches. And other people have even mentioned that she possibly had puncture wounds. If I remember right, I think it was under her left armpit, kind of. I might be mixed up there. And the theory goes there, she was administered shots to cause her to fall asleep before someone placed these barbiturates into her backside to initiate the death. So that would be a murder. Um, one other really interesting piece of the puzzle is her housekeeper never went in the room, but her door was locked according to all of the evidence. Her door was locked from the inside, so no one got through that door without leaving through another path. So there is a window in a room and the glass is broken out, which makes sense if the window's locked, that you lock the door and exit the window and you possibly you had to break it out. But the problem is, if my memory is right, is all of the broken glass is on the inside of the bedroom meaning the glass was broken from the outside, but the person that did the killing left going the other direction. So, was it a suicide or was it a murder? This is almost a wrap, but it's not a wrap. You need to do research on your own to appease your own curiosity if, in fact, hopefully you're curious at this time. The broken window, the glass from the broken window, the lack of a drinking glass, the residue of the barbiturates, the bruises, the people that saw her last, the connection with the Rat Pack, Peter Lawford, John F. Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, Frank Sinatra, Sam Giacana, and one other player in this story, the man who loved her dearly. Her husband, Joe DiMaggio. Yes, the famous baseball player. The famous Italian baseball player. Who possibly crossed paths with Fidel Castro when Fidel Castro was playing AAA baseball in the United States. I believe the story ends that Joe DiMaggio left in his will that every day a brand new dozen roses would be delivered to Marilyn Monroe's gravesite. And that went on for decades. I don't know if it still is happening, but the man, Joe DiMaggio, the great baseball player, lost his beautiful, beloved Marilyn Monroe. And the world will never know. Was it a murder or a suicide? It's an unending question. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you're not asleep. That's a wrap.